What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Coast to Coast. I am Ronan Gain. Joining me as always, Chris Nambu. The trade deadline has come and gone, and we are going to be covering it here for you. Nothing major went down. It wasn't quite as exciting as last year, but still some smart moves were made. We're going to be looking at the, the main winners and losers of, uh, of trade deadline 2024. We'll also be taking a quick look at some of the guys that maybe didn't get traded and also what the buyout market's going to look before we get into it, though, please remember, if you're on YouTube, leave us a comment. Make sure you subscribe. Let us know what you guys think. You're on Apple Podcasts. You're on Spotify. Make sure you leave that five-star review. You do that, we'll keep producing that content. So, Chris, uh, pretty mundane compared to other years, but there were still some smart moves made. What did you What did you think about this year's trade deadline? Um, I, I thought this was like... You know, this is a more run-of-the-mill trade deadline. This is very, you know, a lot of a lot of very non-exciting names and mostly names that mean you were going to get moved anyway. No major star movement. And again, I just think, I mean, just look across the league. Look how many teams are in a position to win. Look how many teams are not really in a position to do much. And then you have teams like my Bulls, who we'll discuss, who are decidedly not going to do much. So this was never going to be a crazy, exciting one, but... We saw a couple teams that really still um, are towing the line of being aggressive and pushing for more and trying to, you know, really shore up some uh, some key parts of their roster. And I think that it's interesting to talk about their their fit. So do we just get straight into first winners? We but before we do, we'll just we'll just mention quickly the guys, the big names that weren't traded that were being uh, talked about a lot. Yes. We got Dejounte Murray staying in, in Atlanta. Bruce Brown Jr. is staying with Toronto. Levine, obviously, after the injury, he's staying put too. Caruso also staying put. Any any real surprise there that none of those guys ended up moving, or do you think it, it was all just a lot of a lot of talk and the, the move just wasn't really there? Um, going down the line, anyone who belongs to Chicago Bulls uniform, not surprised. Um, they, we could talk all day on why, but not surprising at all. Levine is not going to get traded. Um, the market wasn't there for him. Caruso is too good for this average below average team and they don't want to be bad and they don't want to reset so obviously a team with those goals in mind not going to trade them DeRozan wasn't going to be a move that moved the needle same reason not going to trade him makes sense even though it doesn't that's fine I'm over it I've been over it for months we're not going to talk about it um Bruce Brown that that one it's you know you know thinking about his fit there um, it's not surprising thinking that they want to be flexible in the offseason because um, he does do a lot of great things. That He's a great uh, off guard for Scotty to play with. He also has a lot of value in the market, which clearly showed. Um, ultimately didn't get a deal done. But with the team option, I think it's it's he has he's a great asset for them to have in the offseason to do a sign-in trade um, or to honestly just keep for the next season. So he, he's a guy that either can fit in or can fit with future plans if they can do something. So it's, I think that they, they surveyed the market, didn't see what they wanted, and Bruce Brown ultimately helps their team. So why not just kick it to the uh, offseason? So not super surprising. Um, DeJounte, that one was interesting, and this is just par for the course for the Atlanta Hawks, who consistently are the worst team at keeping anything in-house. It's a wonder how you can build any chemistry on a team where you're constantly in fear of being traded or anything you say being talked about and this guy who was supposed to be a cornerstone of this team just being in trade talks 
for pretty much his whole after the first quarter of the season, been in trade talks since then. Mm-hmm. And to see it not go down here is uh, I, I think is a little surprising. I would have thought that in it's not because of the the Hawks. I, I think that the asking price for him would have been very high to begin with, and it would have taken a really big, big desperate buy. And we both discussed this. The desperate buy should have come from out west, and it didn't happen. Um, so in a normal market, I think it's not surprising because a guy like him, it's going to be too expensive. He still has too much um, mileage left for a very good career uh, at a very important position, two-way guy. But... You know, I, I thought that you know who out west was going to pick him up, and they did not. Yeah, I mean, like obviously there wasn't just there wasn't that enough. I think for the the Hawks that they, they obviously wanted a big package for him, and I guess as much as teams were desperate and their teams that probably really could do with him, the 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 asking price I think was just a little bit a little bit too much, and you you don't fully know like you can't say okay. After Atlanta gave up so much for him, why do they already want to move on from him? Like the, the, that, that sort of thing kind of comes into your head as well. So, I think a little surprising that someone didn't just go all in and go for it. But in terms of like the market as a whole, probably, probably, probably makes sense with Dejounte and and the Hawks as a whole. Yeah, I mean, the, a lot of teams that you thought were gonna sell um, didn't, and the team that really I thought did great jobs of it is you know Wizards getting some draft capital back. Hornets getting some draft capital back. Pistons like trying to um, get some pieces that make a little bit more sense for the future. Um, and do anything they can. Like gotta respect it. And they're just yeah. like, that's as if they're doing whatever they can. They they made it's not nothing crazy, but they made some small smart moves. Yeah, it's a very very funny that you know Dejounte and Levine, Hawks, Bulls, very similar positions that they're in, um, right in the middle in <laughs> basketball hell. And those are teams that are, are not making moves. Um, you kind of see a similar thing. Look out West. Kings, who are kind of teetering on this like weird point of the season where, hey, we're not as good as you were last year. Uh, should we do something about that? Deep? No, it's not. And they're sitting there. They just want to stand pat. Uh, and Don't I think worry. They got Robin Lopez. It's cool. They're, they're really, he's, <laughs> Robin Lopez is going to have a great time hanging out in Disneyland. That is no disrespect to Robin Lopez, but he, you know, he'll be happy either way. But um, yeah, so th- this is, I think, more so an interesting uh, review period, not just for teams that made trades, but teams that didn't and kind of looking forward of like, who are those kind of ownership groups? Who are those cores that are going to hold on a little too long or not make changes? Because look, look at the 76ers, man, like they're super active. They were super active, and this is a team that could definitely be like, hey, we don't want to mess things up, and Embiid's hurt, so we have an excuse. Like, there are organizations, and GMs mostly, who are spearheading uh, groups that will push for active change, and clearly there are others who won't, and we know who they are. Yeah, for sure. Let's 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 talk about the the, the ones that were active. Let's let's reveal our, our winners. Who were the for you the three winners of the trade deadline? I'll, I'll reveal mine first. I got the Knicks, the 76ers, yep. and the Lakers. Who have you I got? Mean, Knicks. Knicks, absolutely. Knicks, hundred percent. Um <laughs> I'm I'm going with the Bucks. Bucks and Pat Bev. I mean, it, it wasn't a major, major move, but I'll explain why. Um and I was stuck between so Knicks, Bucks. I was stuck between Thunder and Dallas, but I think Dallas is kind of 50 50 for me. I'll explain that in a minute. But um, I thought the Thunder did pretty well to not only get an expiring, but 
getting a guy like uh, Gordon um, Hayward, I think, does a lot for them in the long term if he can stay healthy. But his contract helps too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Let's let, let's get into the main main one. I think you want to talk with Pat yeah. Bev to the books. What oh, really? Okay, I, I wanted to talk about your next, but we this is short and sweet, man. I mean, it's it's all um, they got no pun intended. Like greatest bang for buck here um, in this trade deadline because Pat Bev is still Pat Bev. You know what you're getting from him, and you know what he provides, and he's providing exactly what they need. They did not need more campaign. They did not need any more offense. They need a guy who's going to be a dog in the perimeter, and they just have no personnel, really. And you're not going to get that transformation of Malik Beasley. We already knew that two and a half, three months ago. You don't have anyone else in the perimeter. You, you lost Javon Carter. You just essentially shored up your backcourt defensively for nothing. I mean, you didn't, you didn't replacing campaign with his minutes are going to be huge. And I think Pat Bev stands to play even more. And with the lineup versatility they have with, with Giannis out there, with the kind of things that they can do. Um, I think Pat Bev will play way more minutes than campaign. And especially in the playoffs. I mean, he's going to be somebody that they lean on towards being a pest and being an asset there. Cause they just straight up don't have that kind of guy. Yeah. And now him and, Damian Lillard are automatically best friends now. You say that too, right? They're, they're I, best, best honestly, buddies. They don't have to. That's getting a guy like Pat Bev away from the 76ers too. That's a double win. Because yeah. like he's going to be a guy that's going to be up in your face. He's going to affect a guy like Dame at times. Obviously, we, we've seen Dame look a little mortal this uh, regular season. I, I still believe he'll show up in the playoffs. But um, just eliminating another defender from another team. That's a slight win too. So I think given the fact that they just had their back against the wall, they have no assets. They can't really go out there and make some of these moves these other teams are making with picks and good contracts. The Bucks really don't have any of that. So to get out there and fill their biggest need with campaign in a second rounder, well done. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, it's a smart move. It's going to be interesting to see what sort of impact he can have with this Bucks team. Like he, He's got... A real small ad for something that they can definitely, that they definitely obviously need in that team. I'll just mention the Lakers quick. I had them included on my list purely because they didn't panic. They could have gone all in and made a move for DeJounte or someone else. And it was, it was the wrong move. They are in a much better position to make moves in the summer. They are going to have more picks to use. So I just think the non-panic button press from them was was good. I was thinking between them and the Warriors. I liked that the Warriors ended up doing nothing because there really wasn't a move there that yeah. was going to change things. So I think it was, the, it was the right call by both of them to uh, to not go and, and and press the panic button and make the move. And obviously that might change if we get to the the Lakers going to lose the next three games. And they're like, what the hell? Why didn't they make a trade at the deadline? But uh, I think it was uh, the right move from them to, to, to stand pat. That's the boring take thrown in. It is That's a boring, boring take, but let's take. go to the, the that, we'll, we'll move off that quick and say. Oh, you're just going to get away with saying that that was the right move for them to do nothing. Okay. You want to, you want to jump on it? <laughs> yeah, okay, go. Okay, All right. On, man. All right, go. These are two, te- these are, we, we've already talked at length why these two teams, this is desperation mode for them. Maybe a little bit less so for the Warriors because they still have a few more years with Curry, I believe. Um, yeah. But the lake, like this is like. How many, how many levels of I think there's like four levels of DEFCON. I, th- I think we're and it goes up. Does it go up or down? Whatever incremental <laughs> volume of DEFCON they're at, they're at like the second to last one because 
They, they've had no answers for consistency. They're clearly not going to fire Darvin Ham. And you see other teams make small adjustments to get personnel out there. Like, get getting a, a, a you know, th- it's just making a move. And I don't know if it's just for optics. You don't make a move for optics for sure. But I think that standing pat and doing nothing tells us that they believe in their core. But I don't know why they believe in their core when they've had more consistency than they've had last year and have had slightly more mixed results. And that makes me feel like they should have at least been more aggressive than just a shitty deal they sent to the Hawks to just make it look like they were going to go for a star and then that was it. I mean, Boyan doesn't solve all your problems, but is, is that not something that they could have gotten involved on? He would have been a huge addition. And I don't, like, the Knicks really did not give that much for Boyan. And, I, and I'm ready to talk about your Knicks because I think the move that they made was another brick in the wall that you guys have created there in this really, like, I'm, I'm really excited about the Knicks. And it's, it's these small things. Like, they weren't massive moves, but they've really built the roster up and they've stayed aggressive. They could have... That's the thing, the mindset. Knicks could have just been like, yeah, we got OG. Things are great. 12 and 2. And the Lakers are like, yeah, it's a tire fire. That's fine. We'll just figure it out. Like, no, like the, the approach, I think, and the lack of noise, that is what makes it even worse. It's not like the Lakers tried all these different things and then other teams outbid them. They just didn't bid. So how do they just fix themselves from within? I don't think they do. And LeBron's done. Yeah. That's why this is total panic mode, man. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm more of the belief that I think everyone was believing the Lakers were desperate and that they wanted to take them to the cleaners. And I think they didn't want to kind of double down on what was semi-mistakes they made last year. Like, look at the guys that came in and then look how they're performing this year. Were they just going to do that same sort of thing again? Like, that's not really, that's not really progress. And I think if they can be clever in the buyout market, Obviously, it's the buyout market, but I think there's still options there for them to to make some sort of move. So i Ooh. I think I think they they I think they're being realistic. I think they I, I think agree. they're like there is a chance we could get a star to replace LeBron. Not obviously, you're not going to get a LeBron level player, but there's a chance they can get a star to replace LeBron in the summer. And they, I think they're pretty. I think I think they believe that he's going to move so on. So you think? Okay, so that I think this is a that's a paradigm shifting thing for me. Like that isn't in my mind. Is that they're like, we're not winning a championship with LeBron, and we're not going to risk anything in the future. Let's just have fun with this. Is that that's what you're saying? Yeah, we we still have a chance. We have AD. We have LeBron. Like this team is still better in uh, in games. They're going to be better if they were able to make it to the playoffs. They're going to be better than other teams. Like I've said this before. When the game slows down, when the Lakers have a shot in the clutch in, in the, in the final minutes of games, they're a better team than, than almost like, I, I, like I said before, I only really 100% would say the nuggets and the Clippers are better than them in the, in those sort of situations right now. Yeah. So I think they're like, let's just run it. Let's just run it. Let's just see how it goes. And because I think they're like, we can't just give up all these assets and then have nothing to go on when yeah. we're like looking to rebuild around AD. It's true. That's true. And it, and I, I see what you're saying now. Cause it's like, if, if, the Lakers win this season. They make it, and winning either means maybe make it back to the Western Conference Finals. I mean, this is a tough Western Conference. Or by LeBron standards, you make it to the championship and compete or even win. It's because LeBron and AD were performing and the other guys got back to it. 
and not because they made some earth-shattering move. But and and I see and I see that perspective too. And the reason I'm just still on this though is that on on the flip side of that, I don't think I don't even think Lakers fans are asking for that earth-shattering move. I don't Lakers fans weren't out there like we need DeJounte. Lakers fans are out there like we need consistent perimeter shooting. We need to get D'Lo out of here because he's inconsistent and we need consistency around LeBron. We need consistent perimeter defenders. That is something that I think could have been accomplished here with some of the names we saw moved. Um, Oche was out there. I, I, was there a deal for Oche? Was there a deal for Olenek? Was there a deal for Bruce Brown? Was there a deal for Alec Burks? Was there a deal for Bojan? All these names that moved. Was there a deal for, I don't know, PJ, we'll get to PJ in a minute. But, you know, I, I think something like that, and as long as you're not touching those future firsts, uh, I, I don't know. Just no noise, no noise. Yeah, that, yeah that's that's, that's fair. This is the Lakers. They're they're about winning, and they, the fact that they they didn't even attempt really to make any of those kind of mid moves when we saw other teams do it. That 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 side of it, obviously, I get. That side is obviously uh, quite disappointing. Before we get to the Knicks, I'll just I'll just try the Seventy Sixers there. You talked about them trading away uh, Pat Bev. I'm talking about them adding Buddy Heald. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. A shooter and a scorer that they're going to need without Joel Embiid. Obviously, he's struggled a bit this year, only averaging 12 points, shooting sub 40% from three. If he can get that number back up to around 40, he can be averaging 15 points a game. That that really helps them for what they gave up, which was Marcus Maris, who obviously has been solid for them, but not really a future piece with them. And Korkmaz, who wasn't really getting any minutes for the most part of the season anyway, and a, and a three second round picks. And I think like you think of Buddy Heald within that team, if Embiid comes back and he's healthy, when it's like Maxi Heald, uh, Harris, Batum, and and Embiid, like that's a really really good starting five. And if like you say like obviously it's different now because Embiid is injured, but they made that move thinking that if Embiid comes back healthy, you've added Buddy Heald into that starting lineup. Like and people were going on about how great this Philly team was looking. You've added Buddy Heald to that. I think that's a really really great move from them. Yeah, and I think even without him being in the mix, I think when when you have when you have Buddy Heald out there, and you have a guy like Maxi who's shown that he's one of the best in the league at collapsing defenses, getting downhill, and forcing defenses to rotate, Buddy Heald is one of those guys that is going to punish teams who are not rotating perfectly, and he's going to make contested threes. He's going to be an aggressive shooter. So I think he's he's a perfect addition there. Um, obviously, seventy sixes are poised to have a lot of money. Um, some of that which is going to go to him. The, the reason he is not with Pacers anymore is mostly because they didn't want to pay him. And mm-hmm. he's probably going to get, what, 25, 28, around that a year next season. So 76ers will, will pay him. And I think all long-term, and hopefully emphasis on long, hoping that Embiid gets better soon and for a while, um, he'll be a great pairing there with Embiid. So, yeah, I was excited about that. Um, anything the 76ers did that you didn't? Mm-hmm. Anything the 76ers did today that you weren't a fan of? Yeah, I I, I mentioned we were talking. I didn't like them ditching Springer for the was it the second round pick, just like giving him up for nothing. Like he was kind of looking like that type of role player that we've seen, like teams like uh, the Nuggets kind of pick out. Just like those random guys who all of a sudden have a big impact in a, in a winning team. 
and he was providing that role for Philly. I, I didn't like them just giving him up for nothing. That was that was yeah. disappointing for me. So I think lessons learned when you send players that the NBA community gets surprised about. Um, I think one guy in recent memory is Isaiah Joe. I remember watching Isaiah Joe and feeling like, wow, this player is raw, has great shooting stroke, shows that he wants to play defense, and that's a lot. Has the body, if he gets stronger and better fundamentally, be a pretty good 3D player. And look how he's playing in Oklahoma City. And this feels like Isaiah Joe 2.0. Jaden Springer, a guy who people love his defense. People love his defensive upside. Um, and the Celtics want him. So those two things tell me a lot uh, about what kind of player they could be giving up. And it's just those margins. So I, I, I do get kind of scared of like, you know, yeah, you want more money in the offseason. But if you have a guaranteed thing, especially a guy in a cheap contract, getting rid of those guys can, can bite you in the butt when you need, when you need bodies. Well, that is Philly. They're 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 pros at making making the making some dumbass moves. Uh, all right, let's get to the next then. Uh, obviously, really great to see what they what they did today. I mean, they won they won the trade market overall. I mean, they ended up adding OG Ananobi, Bogdanovich, and Burks without giving up first round pick. Today, they obviously added Bojan and Burks for Grimes, Fournier, Flynn, and a couple of second rounders. Bojan. Good size, 20 point per game score, shooting 40% from three. Burks, great bench score, 13 points per game, shooting 40% from three. He couldn't come in and provide the the gap that we we semi-noticed without without IQ. And Bogdanovich provides a great scoring impact that we uh that we definitely need. So the pressure isn't always so heavily on Brunson and Randall. And obviously DiVincenzo's been awesome the last few days, but I don't think you can rely on that. Well, I was going to ask real quick. Like, do you think this trade happens if Dante's not going on this absolute tear? Because I think Dante is a little bit of a little bit of the Miles Mc, not Miles McBride, a uh, little bit of the Grimes role, um, mm -hmm. being that off-ball shooter, perimeter defender, you know, re really kind of gritty guy. And when he's going, it's like the the idea of Quentin Grimes is nice, but. Do you need if he's that valuable? Do you need to keep him? So for Dante to be going off, does that make it easier for the Knicks to say goodbye? Yeah, absolutely. And I think obviously, remember earlier in the year, like Grimes came out and he was obviously annoyed with the role that he had, and obviously that changed a little bit once the trade, the first trade was made. But I think the Knicks are being realistic and and they're in a position now where they want to win now. They were looking to build a team that's going to win consistently over the next, what, four or five, maybe even longer. And I think that that was what the move was. And, and like Grimes, is, as sometimes he looks great, and then sometimes he looks he just looks bad. There's the inconsistency is there. Tibbs is, has obviously not really in love with the guy. So I think they, they, they're just being realistic and, and they're, they want to be aggressive. So unfortunately... You have to give up a, a guy like uh, like a Quentin Grimes, but to do what they've done without giving up the first, to be in a position they are now, while still being in a position to acquire or have a package capable of acquiring a big time star if one were to become available, that's unbelievable. Great, great work out of the next front office. Yeah, and I mean you you mentioned consistency, um, not even being prepped for this. I'm just gonna pull up. Mr. Consistency, uh, who has been, in my mind, 
and I'm absolutely right. I mean, look, look up. Uh, I'm looking up Bojan here, just checking his stats for the last five years. Um, per game stats in Detroit this season, 20 points per game. And he's doing that, shooting 52% from the field overall. Last year, 21.6 on 54% from the field. Season before that in Utah, 18 from sharing the floor with Donovan Mitchell, you know. 18 points per game, 53% from the field. Year before that, 17. A little less than 50. Year before that, 20. Year before that, 18. And that was after he was traded from Indiana, uh, where he had his breakout year, MIP, and when he broke up from 14 up to 18. So he's been scoring well over 15 points per game in the 20s, high teens, for six years now. Every single year. Shooting well from the floor. His three-point percentage has hovered anywhere between 39 to 42%. And we know he's not going to be a defensive stopper, but he's a physical guy. He rebounds well. He's not going to like back down from anything. He's, we know he's a tough defender, but he's not He's not going to be the quickest guy. But defensively, I, I think that the Knicks have, have conjured up something now. Um but you talk about consistency from Grimes and from some of these other players on the Knicks where sometimes you didn't know whether they're going to show up or not. And he's a guy that's going to show up every single night. And that's, you know, I mean, that's just what it takes to be one of those guys in the league. And I don't know if Quentin Grimes is going to get there. I think the idea of him doing that was going to be something that was tantalizing, especially with his instincts, his defense. But you just traded him out for a guy that you know is going to get it done. And down the stretch, man, I mean, Thinking about Boyan alongside the starters and the spacing he's going to provide for them and the way he's going to be able to attack that space that is created either by Brunson or created by uh, by Randall if they play together, if you alternate them. Like, just the amount of roster flexibility he brings there is just, I think, tremendous. So in this context, I think this is probably the greatest move of the deadline uh, for what he offers for the Knicks. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Like the Knicks, the Knicks nailed the deadline. The Knicks have nailed. I've really been balling out this season. I think. I can't uh, believe it. Yeah. Front yeah, office and on amazing. the floor, like the 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 cohesion that we have never seen before is is there, and it's been a, it's been awesome. So who who your last winners, Dan? You had the Thunder. I was on Adam Gordon Hayward. Yeah. Yeah, the Thunder, and I think, um, you know, Gordon Hayward is often injured, so not a factor. Uh, it's currently injured right now, but. I think the the importance of it is threefold. One is you have another adult in the room. Um, someone jokingly mentioned like, "Hey, you're only, you're gonna get him for playoff experience." He's played like what nineteen games. Meanwhile, you trade out Davis Bertans, who had forty five. <laughs> and you know it's true. Uh, we forget that Davis was part of those uh, those uh, Kawhi uh, Spurs teams, and has played. I can't believe 45 playoff games. I mean, add that to time with the Mavs. Um, but that that's funny to think about. But Hayward, he's a guy that, you know, is a leader. And he's a guy that adds, you know, that not adds, but fits in perfectly with what the Thunder try to do. And he is a playmaking wing. And he adds a little bit more uh, in-between game. And he is a lot more shooting than you're going to get from Giddy. So I feel like it, this is a really bad comparison and it's not because they're white but i mean he kind of is going to fill josh giddy's role just a little bit better 
just with the shooting, just with what he's able to do on the block a little bit more on mismatches. Um, I think defensively too, I'd, I'd trust him to hold up more against uh, bigger wings than Josh Giddy will. Um, rebounding up and down the floor, you like Giddy a little bit better, but I think he will be a lot more reliable in the clutch, which you're going to have those moments in the playoffs. Like, do you want, do you want Giddy on the floor in the heat of the last two minutes of the game when an opposing defense is just going to leave him? And that's going to be kind of that moment. Like, who, who are you going to rely on? And do you want an Aaron Wiggins there instead? I mean, you might just put shooting out there instead of Gordon Hayward. But I think in, the, in a playoff situation, he might end up being a guy that, that helps them win a couple key games. And for the Thunder, when they've never been in the playoffs before, to have a guy who's had those battles before, who's had a lot of experience, uh, that's huge. And then you talk about the near $30 million expiring. It's a lot of lot of space that they have opened up here. I don't know if they get to extensions or adding moves, but the, the salary part, that's the third part of this that I, I think is is going to be helpful for them to be flexible in the summer. Yeah, I think obviously they, they come back. It might it might just turn out to be a rental, but in terms of everything that it offers them, obviously it was it was a really smart move. I think I mean, remember we were kind of thinking that maybe go for a guy like a marketing or or a few others like that. That that monster move wasn't really available to them, and I think they've gone and even if it's only for a short term, I think they've they've really gone and made a a smart move. And I'd be hopefully he's I don't know what his the time scale is about when he's back from the from his current injury and unfortunately with him you always think there's just another one just waiting around the corner but when he is healthy he is a, a really good player and think of him coming in as what like the fourth option on this team like maybe sometimes the third like that's 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 pretty nice that sounds good as a as a thunder fan uh, watching the thunder play and hoping that they can compete when we get to the to the playoffs so low key move but smart one from OKC um, half a half a team win. I'll just say a singular move. Um, I think we'll we'll talk about losers after this. Yeah. So we'll, we'll, yeah, this, this will transition. This is a nice transition, transition to the losers. So yeah. Gafford and da- that's a great move. I love the idea of Gafford and Dodgers together. Um, for the same reasons I've loved watching Derek Lively in his rookie year, alongside Luka Doncic. Um, I mean, this is basically you're, you're getting a veteran version of Derek Lively, who's going to be able to deal with more mileage, who's going to have that NBA uh, veteran savvy and be able to take you through the the playoffs. And, and I think also the, uh, we've seen Jason Kidd like to go extra big in the playoffs, running two bigs out there. And I think that you move Cleaver, you're really going to ask a lot from, from Maxi and from, uh, from Dwight Powell, uh, who have, spent some time playing the the four in the playoffs but having those four bigs like you have a nice solid rotation now um and the amount of lobs they're going to catch from luca the amount of uh mistakes he's going to fix from luca i think it's it's the perfect kind of uh, small move that's going to do a lot so I, I kind of liken it to the to the pat bev move where they really feel a big need for them at pretty low price mm-hmm. um and then we transition to the negatives. At first, when I saw the Mavs get PJ Washington, my instinct and my just just emotion was, "Wow, they got PJ Washington." Because it's been mentioned before, and I was like, "Ah, oh, they don't they don't have the assets to do it. They're not going to do it." Uh, swap for Grant Williams, and I'm like, 
amazing because in my mind, and I love that John Hollinger wrote, wrote this quick piece about it. Um, and the, uh, the quote, I'm going to paraphrase it, but essentially is like, there is a major disconnect between who PJ Washington is and who we want him to be. And that is exactly how I felt the past few years. And that is exactly why when I rechecked the trade and saw that they sent their only available first round pick to upgrade from Grant Williams to PJ Washington, I was not sure that the value there made sense. And that's why I'm calling this a major loss for the Mavs because that I don't think that that cost makes sense. And I don't think that that gamble is going to pan out in any way that's going to help them in a meaningful way. Yeah, I mean, like I said, like look, we've seen Terry Rogier go to uh, go to Miami, go out from balling out in a losing situation to kind of struggling when in a team that that wants to uh, that wants to win. But I mean, he mentioned that obviously it's it's tough being in Charlotte because, like you mentioned, like he's not that defender that that uh, we expected him to be. But also, you're playing in Charlotte. You could play all the defense you want, but it's gonna come up for nothing. So why why would you bother? No one else is playing any defense, so why would you? That 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 obviously comes into a mentality sort of aspect. Uh so I, I like I kind of look at it and think that if he's told, like he's like, Can you step up on the defensive end? Can you be that guy for us? If you can, then we will win games and we will get to the playoffs. Can his mentality switch that way? Is it just about mentality or is it just about general ability? That's something that we're gonna find out. This one, at the moment, it seems like a small L could either go from being a big L to a, to a plus at the same time. I, I think this is a very up-in-the-air trade, and it's kind of a wait-and-see how the uh, how PJ fares playing in a team that wants to win and playing with a team that has major star power. Yeah, I, I just I the more I think about it, the more it feels like a wasted asset for a move that won't affect things because of the full front court they now have. I definitely am giving Gafford minutes. I'm definitely giving Lively minutes. I'm definitely giving Massey Cleaver minutes. And I'm probably giving Dwight Powell minutes. Why am I giving you minutes, PJ Washington? So the scoring, okay. So it's it's up and down. Three-point shooting's definitely not there. Um, much rather see Massey Cleaver take a shot. Um, the attacking the rim, okay, cool. But if I need a pick and roll partner. I like what I get out of Lively. I like what I get out of Gafford. I like what I get out of Powell. Okay. So like, what, where are you fitting in there? Um, and the, the, a lot of the randomness that you get from the Hornets, cause they play so fast in the way that, um, you know, when the Lamello's out there, um, the amount of random shots that you create because of the chaos he's, he's creating on the court. Um, not so much in, in a very slow set offense with Doncic. How does that fit there? And the defense part for me, and this is the part that I that I harp on, not to like say that oh they've 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 sold the farm, it's over, because I think an argument that people have is like you know they weren't gonna do a lot with it anyway, I guess. Which I think you know that that's just economically that's just a poor argument. Like if you have twenty dollars left, sure it's not a hundred dollars, but do you just spend your last twenty dollars just because like you, the first thing you see at the mall? No, and. My thing is that the defense part is that it's always been a potential thing. And how many times we talk about defensive potential. And if you don't see it for two, three years now, like you always see the flashes of the rim protection. You always see the flashes and the potential for the switchability um, for him to play big on wings, for him to play small on uh, bigger, smaller fives and 
for him to even track some guards like that's tantalizing right but it doesn't happen consistently and yes it's charlotte but brandon miller's playing defense yeah he's a rookie but he cares about competing so has has pj washington stopped caring about competing and why in dallas when luca doesn't care that much about defense when jason kidd talks about outscoring the opponent and the only people who seem to care about defense are the centers and it seems to be this thing where all right just funnel them all to the paint and hope things work out i don't think pj is all of a sudden just going to take on this mantle of okay i need to be a good defender now that's just that doesn't make sense how that happens in Dallas unless some like miraculous like change of like fundamental basketball personality happens here. And maybe it does. And I think that would be awesome because you'd become the player that I've wanted and believe he can be. But I think that Mavs fans seeing this, a lot of it's going to be like just way too optimistic thinking about who he could be instead of who he actually is right now. Yeah, no, I think, I think, I think that's fair. Let's get, let's get into the major the major losers of the uh, of the trade deadline. Who 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 are your three major losers? It's funny because Lakers and what you were like they they won for doing nothing. I'm like they lost for doing nothing. So I think it's funny. Uh, I've already mentioned the Bulls, but like I kind of grouped them all into one. Um, and my first loser of the deadline is Killian Hayes. Oh uh, yeah, like, I, yeah, that was rough. I, I couldn't rough. find. I could not find a single top ten pick who has been jettisoned from their team within their rookie contract. I can't, except for, um, God, what's his face? The guy who was drafted after Kyrie by the, by the Cavs. Bennett. Um, Bennett. I can't find anyone else besides Bennett. If anybody else can, can remind me of somebody, please let me know in the comments, but I, I could not find anything on, on a quick search just today, but yeah. Yeah, that's that, rough. Yeah, that was there. There's not much there. That's just that's just, that's just such a punch. That's uh, that is a that is a punch in the gut for for Killian Hayes. And if he can somehow find a way to bounce back from this, massive massive respect yeah. to him. That that's gotta that's gotta take that's gotta do a real job on the uh, on the psyche of Killian Hayes. Yeah. So you're you're major news. You got the Lakers, the Warriors, and the yeah. Bulls. I got the Nets, the Bulls, and the Hawks. Nets, shoot. Nets, okay. Positive thing they did, they really wanted to get rid of Spencer Dinwiddie. They did that. They ditched him for Schroeder and Pat Young, who I assume are both expiring deals. That's why they uh, they went and made that deal. But just kind of, maybe this is, is playing too much on the rumors, but I think they were way too determined to not be sellers that they potentially missed out on some deals that they'd love to have back probably this time next year. I think they were offered two first-round picks for Dorian Finney-Smith and they turned it down. They were offered three first round picks and Jalen Green for for uh, Mikael Bridges and they turned that down. I get it. I think they want to believe that Mikael Bridges is that guy that they're building around, but they haven't really been pushing him that hard this year. They haven't really just been like, here's the ball, do what you can do. The Nets, like, once again, are trying to skip the full rebuild. They're trying to do it quicker than is supposed to is supposed to naturally happen. And I think it's it's leading to another mistake because I think if they had got like I think Jalen Green, I'm starting to believe that as much as he is not the player that was expected yet, I think he's got more potential star power still than Mikael Bridges does. If they had got you, you three first round picks and Jalen Green, yeah, 
That was the official offer. There was a that that, that was the that was the, I think the athletic reported that three first round picks and Jalen Green from. Cal I missed Bridges. that. I and they, that. And they, they turned that down. I think there was this thing in the Nets that like, we cannot be sellers. We sold everything last year. We cannot go and do that again. And I I, I think, like I said, I think Jalen Green has got more star potential still than, than Mikael Bridges. And Mikael Bridges is going to be that great, that really good two-way guy on a on a winning team. And I just don't think he's got, he really fits what, what the Nets are trying to do. And like I keep saying, the Nets are trying to skip skipped a few steps and not go full rebuild. And I, I just think that's a mistake yeah. from them. If you, if you could put like two clouds next to my head, if you edit this video and like the first cloud, because I, I didn't read this. I, I didn't read that report. I, I thought it was a rumor, but I, I didn't realize it was reported by the athletic and I fully trust the athletic. My first thought was like, Oh my God, Dorian Finney Smith for two first round picks. And then you get three from the Rockets and you get Jalen Green, like just that, like, blowing my mind and then the other thought bubble just comes out and it's cam thomas and jalen green just chucking up shots all game long as they're losing by 30 points oh like it never that's probably what the Nets were thinking like Like, we can't deal with that again. never would have worked in a million years but damn it would have sold some tickets (laughs) they those two guys together would have been fun playing with ben simmons if if he was ever healthy (laughs) like the the speed that they play with, like that, like it would be, it would sell tickets. People would want to go and, and watch the Nets. It'd be fun as hell, but they would not you win. Watch right. the Nets lose by thirty as Ben Simmons is out for his thirtieth game for back soreness, <laughs> and Cam Thomas is like ten for twenty-five, and Jalen Green is ten for thirty. No one else has taken a shot yet. Um, yeah, it'd be a, it'd be a nice balance. It'd be they they'd probably be in that uh, Kyle Kuzma Jordan Poole range with the the plus minus and that, but uh, it'd slightly be fun. better, slightly <laughs> better. But that that would be, I mean, just off of assets alone, I think most GMs would have taken that. I think the Nets are such a unique market situation where there is probably that pull of like, hey, like we need to be relatively good right now because I mean, business is not booming for the Brooklyn Nets. They're, they are still trying to build a name for themselves. And I think they started to when they had that initial push with um, with that youth movement, with when D'Lo got there, Karis LeVert, and then you really had um, the fro up and coming. And that was that was something that to galvanize behind. Um, and I feel like they want to do the same thing with Bridges and this crew, um, but maybe it just takes another year. Maybe – this is a team that, you know, maybe in the offseason they figure something else out and it's like, okay, next year they're competitive and we're, we're idiots. Because I like their talent, and I think they like their talent too. And- no, they do. They do still have a lot of talent. It's just a question of uh, of figuring it out. Obviously, we already spoke on the Lakers, so that we can we can skip through that one. We'll get to the Warriors, but let's go with the Bulls. Three, three straight deadlines where they've not made a move. A thousand. They could days. have added some assets. They're, they're going nowhere and they just didn't want to be sellers like the like as it was said on a on NBA on NBA live and on ESPN they just go the bulls are in a rebuild but they don't want to accept that they are <laughs> and that's we're that's not. the feel we're not in a rebuild we're not like you should be we've never <laughs> okay. rebuilt we've not ne- well we we had one we had what one year really two we had two years Two and a half years, pretty much. That's it. The simple is like the 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 Bulls should have been sellers at this deadline. They weren't. That's that's what I would look at it. And it, I think okay, if you're if you're going to be like the the Lakers and the Warriors are winners for not doing anything, you know what? I, let's let's spin the narrative here because what were the Bulls supposed to do? Yes, trade Caruso 
for two probably like two first round bottom picks, five first round picks uh for you know it's because clearly the Bulls have done so great with picking anyone outside of the top 15 and don't even mention Jimmy Butler because that's the greatest anomaly in the past two decades. Cool. Uh, moving on. DeMar DeRozan for what? Second rounders? We weren't going to get a first round pick for DeMar DeRozan. The 76ers weren't going to give us anything. The Lakers didn't want him. Who wanted him? And Levine, you when he was first, You could have got a first round pick for Demar Derozan. We PJ, if PJ a... Washington's worth the first round pick, I, I think I think you could have got one for Demar Derozan. I maybe, but and then Vooch, obviously, we extended. You're not going to trade it. Like what? What? There were no real trades to be made that were going to change anything. And I think it it just, but the lack of direction is wrong. There is a very concrete direction. And it's to do nothing. That that is that that is the strategy is to do nothing because we're still selling tickets. Caruso's really fun to watch. Like people will pay money to watch Caruso play defense. People will pay money to watch Kobe White ascend. And respect this is to Kobe all, White. Yeah, all respect, this year. Mo- Gotta love most, that. that that'll be the you you love and hate it because that that that's the kind of narrative that that keeps putting butts in seats because he is probably and i hope going to win most improved player and he deserves it but guess who drafted him not this front office what has this front office done i'm still i'm still watching patrick williams i mean you you, you want to talk about okay we're not getting no no, no, no. Yeah, before, yeah. before you go cry out the bell i'll just say the bulls should have been sellers and like that, that was their role they were they were the good team that should have been the sellers and they and they didn't they didn't fulfill on their role and that's why i'm mad at them i've got the hawks and you've got the warriors do you want to start with the hawks or you want to start with the warriors um, I mean, Hawks, let's just go Hawks, another disaster here. It's looking like they're more likely to finish, I think, in the 11th seed than they are to finish in the seventh or eighth seed. They're, they're, they're just stuck in the middle. There's nothing really, I, I don't know what they could have done after obviously missing out in Siakam. They didn't trade DeJounte. They just feel stuck. Yeah. And like, surely there was something that they could have done to try and just change the the narrative, change push the needle a little bit, and make them make you feel confident that maybe they could make a real push second half season to get in and make sure they're at least a seventh or the eighth seed in the uh, in the playing and not be five games back on that which they are now and only a a game and a half ahead of the Nets in eleventh place. Yeah, I, I think the thing I'm realizing through this these past couple of months like you know this isn't a star moving market and i think that's why both the bulls and the hawks weren't able to get things done like the 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 environment that the nba is in right now kind of demanded for these middling moves and it was about crafting a really good middling move to make things work and you know that that is the failure of these teams we're mentioning is is not doing that is not finding a way to tweak your team and i think it is harder when you have kind of poor roster construction to begin with. And that is what the Hawks have. And that is a problem that's not in this season. It goes back a few seasons. It goes back really ultimately with the the failed DeJounte trade experiment. Same thing with the Bulls. It goes back to keeping, relying on what has been a below average experience of Booch although he does a lot of great things that that's been a part of it. So I, I think these, these teams are kind of where we're saying very similar things. I think at the end of the day about why they're going to be right where they're at. 
Yeah, yeah. Very solemn, but very fair. What about the Warriors then? That, I mean, it's it's the same thing, man. How who who, who did you who like? Were they I'll, supposed to move? Uh, yeah, that's how I, like you you call them losers, but like yeah, like who do you think like who do you think was their asset to move and and work a package to improve on? Do you think it was so, Clay? Do you think it was Wiggins? Who, what do you think they? Clay's not an asset. Trying? Clay, you have to pay to get rid of, so you can't really move him. Wiggins is kind of a similar thing, and ultimately, you'd have to really be the the moves to be made was Siakam. That came and went. Um, you thought about Dejounte, but then you don't really have the players that they would want, and then you kind of look at what maybe. Let's just think about the guys who did get moved. What what did what did Boyan go for? Could they have made a move there? I think they definitely could have. It probably would have cost them one of their young guys. Do mm-hmm. they want to do that? I guess not. Um, and they're in this position where I think their young guys are representing what the future picks are representing for the Lakers, where they just don't want to risk that. But the the environment they're in right now is toxic those young guys are probably going to be stifled and not achieve their full potential. I mean, if you're, if you're a Kaminga guy, is he ever going to be fully Kaminga there? I don't think so. Looking like, looking like, looking like it at the moment, Kaminga is in a great run of form. Yes. But like it's, is, so do you, what do you do with the other, do they just like fade off? Do you, yeah. you don't have to get rid of Wiggins. And I think that's, that's probably the thing. If the Warriors, I'm less, I'm less upset with than the Lakers because I think the Warriors have the roster construction, but just it's run its course, it feels like. Um, and, and I thought they were always going to be in this. They were always going to be losers at this deadline because it would have taken an incredibly, incredibly random and unexpected move that no one was thinking of to get someone in there that was going to be able to fix the problems that they have. But I think for them not to have made a major change to to shake things up, I think signals that it's just going to be more of the same. And I think that bodes poorly for a team with a MVP caliber player on it that is not going it, to – it's the same thing with LeBron, except LeBron's going to leave and Curry's going to be stuck there. And maybe they just address it in the offseason, but it feels like it's another wasted season for Curry. Yeah, and unfortunately, like I was saying before, it's just it's so tough to really to to like dig yourself out of the hole when one of your guys is still at that level and the other guys quite aren't quite at that level. Like it's so hard to to recapture the magic that they've already had. So unfortunately, this is usually just how it ends up. It it ends up playing out. Like it's tough to think about it like that. And the the modern times, like there is moves to be made and and those sort of things. But I just think it's so tough to really make that move that really you really believe is going to change things around around Steph Curry and unfortunately it's just unless they really pull something out of their bag in the summer I, I just don't see them I feel that they're gonna they're just gonna start to stagnate unless they just completely switch to all these young guys and really trying to try to kick it on from there um obviously we've gone way over like we like we always do we were like oh yeah we'll get on here it'll be half an hour and up on them now we, we've gone way over that well time. you talked about the bulls that's your uh, fault uh, and you yeah. made this ridiculous assessment of the lakers being winners <laughs> doing nothing. that's so, right you got, you got you. any any more outside <laughs> trades that you uh you want to mention before we get to the buyout targets um oh i'm sure there is off the off the top of my head uh, um oh 
Doug McDermott to the Pacers. Gonna be shooting a hell of a lot of threes out there. He's gonna be a, he's gonna be a happy clam over there. Um, Royce O'Neal to the Suns. I thought that was a great small pickup to yeah. bolster their defense. Huge. Um, sad to see Memphis let go of a young guy, David Roddy, but clearly was not going to be working out there. Um, the organization was super excited about him, and the fan base was too, but it's kind of just become like a lukewarm kind of feeling on him. So sad to see that go. Um, who else? Oh, I loved Daniel House just getting just like jettisoned away from the 70s. Like they attached a second round pick, just like get Harden's boy out of here. We're done. Just like. <laughs> clean their hands of, of any evidence of, of Harden even being there anymore. Um, Monte Morris, quick on him, him going over to the, to the Wolves. I think he's, he's going to be a great closer for them. Um, not a guy who turns the ball over a lot. Great off ball can be really good on ball too. Um, I think there's more depth. that's a little more reliable and Celtics. I really like them getting Xavier Tillman. That is mm -hmm. some depth that they need. Um, they're getting more depth defensively, and that's great. And do we close a little bit on the Pistons? I think the Pistons did a good job. Yeah, yeah, I good think job, Pistons. Yeah, let's just like, name some guys. Fontecchio, that's a real, that's a good player. They 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 picked up a guy who has shown he's going to be a long time like NBA rotation player, high level rotation wing. That's not easy to come by. Um, and then you're getting in Grimes, a guy who which a lot of people are hopeful going to be a long-time rotation player, like smart player. They got two smart, quick decision, high IQ guys who want to compete on defense and are are capable of playing through the offense and not doing just their own thing. So, you know, got to got to give credit to them and like they 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 just put zero question to the the uh, the sunk cost fallacy and just were like sorry Hayes this hasn't worked out see ya and that's hard as an organization to admit hey we screwed up on him and we're just going to get that out so last closing thought is Pistons I think did what they could and did a good job um, trying to salvage a little bit with with the deadline so yeah yeah I think the Pistons didn't did panic right. trade either didn't panic trade. they that did not fun. they did not that was uh, that was probably 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 the right thing to do okay quickly buy out the buyout market we're looking at Daniel House, Joe Harris, Spencer Dinwiddie, and probably Kyle Lowry. Who do you think the the teams like like maybe the Warriors, like maybe the Lakers? The, like who 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 are you targeting there, and who who who's the most prized asset in the buyout market? I'll, I'll put it to you like that. Um, Spencer Dinwiddie is going to be the most prized, but not by those two teams. Um, it it's going to come from a team who needs a little bit more offensive spark and i'm curious which team is going to be because those two teams are not going to absorb that like you, you don't need d and spencer you don't need spencer on where there's plenty of people who are willing to take shots there um daniel house is going to be a guy i think people will will remember the defense that he's provided in the playoffs and that will always get him a contract somehow and then he'll just end up not playing um same thing with morris uh, I, I, but I, I think that Kyle Lowry, I think will will end up in a Lakers uniform, won't he? Mm -hmm. I think the Lakers need to need to need to add him. Probably, uh, but Spencer, who who is the team that would want Spencer Dinwiddie the most? That that's a question I have a tough time. Is answering. it a return to the Mavs? Maybe is that is that a possible option? 
yes, but they really like giving the ball to Jaden Hardy right now. And Jaden mm-hmm. Hardy's doing some good things. Um, so, I, I mean, you, you think about, I mean, the contenders. Thunder aren't going to want them. Timberwolves, now they got Monte. Nuggets. Nuggets could be interesting. You think about it. I think he would fit there fine. Um, Clippers always like getting guys you can score. I think he would be a fine fit there. Suns, no. Pels, too full. Kings, maybe. And it's up to, like, where does he want to go? Who's going to give him the biggest role on a playoff team? Um, and maybe maybe the Nuggets are, are a place that would. Um, the Cavs, I mean, if if they if they want some more perimeter scoring that, that they can rely on. Um, even, I mean, would the, would the Knicks think about picking him up? Just another another perimeter scorer. Um, I think that they have enough. Probably not. They're not going to jettison anyone. Um, one that I thought of, though, was the 76ers. Mm-hmm. They don't have... I think they'll, be, they'll strongly pursue both him and Larry. I think they'll, they'll, they'll want to get one of those two. Yeah, I think having another pick-and-roll partner who can create his own shot in the pick-and-roll alongside Joel Embiid um, and a guy who's proven himself in the playoffs as well. I, I think that 76ers probably is the best bet for role and for fit. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's fair. I think that's going to wrap up today's episode. The trade deadline has come and gone. No major splash, but a few teams have made some smart moves. The Knicks have won the trade deadline. Let's see how they uh, they, they move on from here. A lot of losers, a lot, a few a few winners, but now we're set. Other than the buyout market, where we're well set. There's no more trade rumors for this year. Where do we go from here? We'll have it covered for you, myself and Chris. But before we go, I just have to say thank you all so much for listening. My thanks to Chris for joining me. And remember, we are everywhere at Coast to Coast NBA, so drop us a follow on social media. And most importantly, remember to take every shot and love every moment.